0: I have a great show for you today. i help you create your own proof to show your success. I'll also be interviewing Dr. Jeff Standridge, who helps organizations and their leaders disrupt the status quo and generate sustained results in the areas of organizational effectiveness and leadership. Jeff reviews his best-selling book, The Top Performer's Field Guide catalysts for leaders, superstars, and all who aspire to be. This book will give you specific tools and techniques to help you be a top performer in your industry. For more information about Dr. Standridge, please visit jeffstandridge.com. You may also purchase his book in any digital bookstore or the previous guest products in both stores at Miller, jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read go to jamesmillerlifology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeologycom forward slash audible to get started today. Creating proof of your success. There's nothing worse than having a goal by not having anything to show for it. I used to be an adjunct professor and I taught a lot of different psychology courses. And one particular course that I loved to teach was treatment planning. In that treatment planning, I taught my students how to create an effective treatment plan so each patient would know and be able to prove to themselves that they were making progress in treatment. One of the main things you really want to focus on in anything you do is you want to create metrics, or in other words, tangible ways that you can prove to yourself that you are making changes. One of the most difficult things is when we try and create a metric of success for something we can't see, we're not sure if we've actually accomplished it. Research states that on average, it takes about 66 times for someone to engage in a habit before it sticks. When you're trying to make a goal, it's often good to break that goal down into quarters. For example, if you have a year goal, break it down into a quarter, which is three months. And in those three months, that's when you continually do something. And as stated earlier, after 66 times, it becomes a habit. So my challenge for you today is this, anytime you want to try something new, if you can't put your finger on it and say, yes, this is the proof to show that I'm accomplishing my goals, then you have to think what are the activities or what are the behaviors I can do that after a certain period of time, I know I will accomplish my goal. So as you develop your own self-development goals or your own business goals or financial goals, whatever those may be, you want to say, I have to show proof to myself that I am accomplishing my goals. Because the more proof you show yourself, the more you buy into continually growing and developing, and that allows for you to ascend to the next level of your self-development. And the more you do this, the more excited you are because you are accomplishing your goals. Just because you've had a goal in the past and weren't able to accomplish it doesn't mean that today you can't restart that goal. Because the more proof you have, the more successful you'll be. I have a fantastic interview with Dr. Jeff Standridge. He is an expert in how to become the superstar that you are. He gives you practical tools and techniques in his book, The Top Performer's Field Guide Catalyst for Leaders, Superstars, and All Who Aspire to Be. This book will give you the roadmap you need to be the successful person that I know you can be. So stay tuned for this phenomenal interview. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. My guest today is Dr. Jeff Standridge, who helps organizations and their leaders disrupt the status quo and generate sustained results in the areas of innovation, strategy, profit growth, organizational effectiveness, and leadership. Jeff is here today to discuss his best selling book, The Top Performer's Field Guide Catalyst for Leaders, Superstars, and All Who Aspire to Be. This book will give you specific tools and techniques to help you be a top performer in your industry. Welcome to my show, Jeff.
1: Thank you so much, James. It's, um, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yes, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I was reading your backstory, and you've been to five different continents working and consulting. That is, that's phenomenal. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> it, you know, if you would have told me that when I was a young child growing up in a small town in South Arkansas, that I would circumnavigate the world many times, I would have thought you were crazy.
0: <laughs> Isn't that amazing when we reflect mm-hmm. on where we were versus where we are today? It's quite fascinating. It sure is. As a little boy, did you know that you would become a leadership expert?
1: I had no idea. Yeah? I had no idea. I knew I wanted to go to college. I'm a first generation college student. So oh, my family completed college and grew up, grew up in a farm town, graduated high school with 28 people. Ah, uh, in fact, crammed a four-year wow. degree into five and a half years. Um, <laughs> my first, my first go-around, and so no, I did not, did not understand that I was going to become a leadership expert.
0: Wow! And then your your daughters followed suit. they were both what neonatal ICU nurses. So that is
1: fantastic. My, yeah, both, is my really daughters cool. are neonatal ICU nurses, and and uh, worked in the same unit where my wife and I met uh, twenty-nine oh, wow. years ago. So, yeah. Oh, that's that's really cool. I always love to hear
0: family legacies and how you know how one generation starts something and the next generation will continue to help it
1: grow and develop. That's really cool. Education, I say, changed my family tree. It didn't mm-hmm. just change my life, but it literally changed our family tree. And yeah. and uh, you know, uh, our kids are are very successful, and I can I consider that one of my greatest accomplishments is is having daughters who have grown into. Strong young women.
0: Oh, that's wonderful! And I believe one of them, a soon-to-be son-in-law, will also be a physician too.
1: Well, actually, I have a son-in-law that's that's uh, that's going to be a physician. Oh, right. oh, gotcha. Okay, perfect. She's married. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, congratulations. Now Thank let's you. transition into your book because I I was really excited about this. So the book, The Top Performers Field Guide: Catalyst for Leaders, Superstars, and All Who Aspire to Be. Now that, that topic itself is a huge mouthful, but I think it encapsulates so many individuals who are listening right now. So we want to focus on entrepreneurs, people who are, who are in the business world, but also just people in general who want to be top superstars. So, why, right. don't, yeah, so why don't we jump right into the book? Um, what would you say is the premise of this book?
1: Well, I spent a number of years, both academically and uh, um, organically as a leader within organizations on five continents, studying mm-hmm. the concept of leadership. What is it that differentiates those people who are what I would call the cream of the crop, the, the 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 top 1% of performers, the ones who really stand out as superstars, from those who are in the masses, the average, which is most everyone? Sure. and. Uh, spent a number of years studying that academically, had a couple of organizations wanted me to replicate that research within their companies to figure out oh, what wow. constituted high performance within their companies. Uh, after a couple of consulting engagements, I walked away from a, uh, a professorship six months from from a tenure review oh, wow. to join the corporate world uh, where I got the opportunity to then continue studying leadership on five continents. So amazing. the premise is the premise is that that top performance and and, and leadership I kind of put those in the same. There's leadership where you have responsibility for leading people. Mm-hmm. Then there's leadership where you have responsibility for leading yourself and mm-hmm. your results and what have you. And and people ask me, well, what did you find in your study? And and when I really boil it down, top performance and and leadership really revolves around the degree to which an individual can balance two things, and oh. that's results and relationships.
0: Oh, interesting
1: if i focus on results at the expense of relationships and i like to, i i keep a set of kind of legal scales on my on my bookshelf in my office to, <laughs> That's a good reminder uses a talking <laughs> point right exactly <laughs> if i think about that and if i if i weight over to the to the results side if you got results and relationships on each side of the scales and if i err on the side of results to the extent that i uh that i'm wildly focused on results, I'll be successful very, very quickly Mm -hmm. until I alienate everyone around me who's Ah. responsible for helping me maintain those results. If I err to the other side and focus on relationships at the expense of results, people will love me until Mm -hmm. they lose respect for me because I can't do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it.
0: Sure. So it's almost like the expansion of what success looks like. Um, So it's not just one metric that's being used. It's those two metrics. Okay, which which makes a lot of sense. So, you Mm -hmm. know, and one thing that I really teach as well is that balance of how to to encapsulate pretty much everything in one's life to be Mm -hmm. able to live that, to create that metric of success, whether that is quality of life, whether that's Mm -hmm. what have you, but it is something that if we're not mindful of that, we can easily slip into one side or the other.
1: No, you're exactly right.
0: When I reflect on with uh, the five continents from where you work or all the places you've been, is there a difference between cultural, what what it means to be a cultural superstar, like in in one's culture?
1: You know, there, there there is what I would consider minor nuances and some uh-huh. of them not so minor nuances. But the interesting thing is when I talk about this concept of results and relationships, it has really translated into virtually every work environment that I've ever been in. Wow. Some environments are a little more focused on the relationship aspect. Mm-hmm. Some environments are a little more focused on the results aspect. Uh, but by and large, I would say the vast majority of the people with whom I've worked over the course of the last 25 years, they get this balance and they get this conversation. Around results, relationships, and the tightrope that we walk um, to to balance those. Wow,
0: you know, when it comes to entrepreneurs, so let's say they don't really have much of much of a team, or Mm -hmm. you know, they're just Mm -hmm. starting out. How would they be able to balance between the relationships and results when it comes to their own mom and pop shop?
1: Well, uh, customers. Mm -hmm. Um, So if they think about the relationships that they have to build to actually uh, get customers in their store and to keep them coming back and to have them generating word of mouth. Uh, partners and vendors that they have that supply them with the uh, with the things that they need um, you know those those are a couple of ways that they they focus on the relationships sure. on the results side obviously uh there there are very few results but they are very critical results in a new startup business that that must be delivered and and many of those are around generating new customers generating new revenues and and making sure that those revenues are being managed profitably.
0: How would you help them really kind of just slow down and say, okay, we really have to focus on both things at the same time? Because there's, <laughs> I know for me, when I first started Lifeology, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do and it's just me. And it was really overwhelming. And so I, you know, I thankfully I was able to, you know, be successful the way that you're saying this as far as the relationships and the results. But it was very overwhelming. What are some practical mm-hmm. ways that they can just generate and use like right this second to say, okay, this is how you could balance those two things out?
1: Well, one of the things I like to call, uh, like to ask organizations and individuals to do, is just to step back and say, "Where am I going? Mm. Where am I going? And over what time frame do I want to get there? Is it a 12 month? Is it a 24 month? Or is it a 36 month? And if it's if it's more than a 12 month time frame, let's say it's a 24 month time frame, I want to be here and be very, very definitive and clear about what here actually is. Where are you going? How are you going to know that you've got there? When you get 24 months out. You want to be able to look back and say, yes or no, I did or I didn't, preferably gotcha. I, I did, right? And so get very, very pedantic and specific about mm-hmm. where you're going. And then you back up from there and say, okay, if it's 24 months, then what I have to do in the next 12 months to get half of the way there.
0: Sure. And reverse-engineered. You're
1: reverse-engineered. Time- mm-hmm. reverse and then you say, okay, in 12 months, what I'm going to have to do in the next six months, the next three months, the next six weeks, the next six days, Uh and, and reverse engineer it into here are the things that I need to do on a regular basis in order to to get where I'm going you know I have found that success is really two things it's it's number one defining what it is sure yes and then it's committing to it which means figuring out what you have to pay to get there and start paying it
0: well I really like with you saying that because when people start a business um, or just or perhaps even they're in, a, in an organization of some sort they, they may not really know to what end. What does that look like? And so they often may have the end result in mind of, you know, to be incredibly successful, which is wonderful. But I really like how you break it down to, okay, let's look at a year. Let's look at 24 months. Let's look at three years. However you want to do that. But when you are really specific with quantifiable metrics, it really creates that roadmap. Because sometimes if we think so far out... And we haven't created the steps to get there, or perhaps the evolutionary steps of what that may look like, then you're right. We won't really know how, how am I going to get, you know, 10 years from now, if I haven't really looked at what are the the steps I have to do right this second.
1: You know, it's interesting. I have, I have uh, taught in uh, adult settings, uh, college settings. I actually teach a couple of courses at the university now. Um. I've taught at the junior high and high school levels, albeit very, very short periods of time because mm-hmm. I figured out that is not my calling. <laughs> um, but what I have found is that the subject of goal setting, action planning, and progress monitoring is probably the most undertaught subject in any setting I educationally. Agree. It's, 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 I agree. it's almost completely ignored. And, and as a result, we have a number of people in our in our world today who just don't know how to take control of their lives mm-hmm. or control of their mm-hmm. work performance or what have you.
0: Yeah, without that, without those quantifiable metrics, and once again, like you said, they're just meandering around their, their life and not really right. sure
1: how they're going to get there. A swamp versus a river. Yeah. A river cuts through canyons, a swamp yeah. just kind of spreads out.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I like that. I was looking through the table of contents of your book, and my listeners, this is not just some fluff book. He has, how many chapters is it? He has 50... 52, 52 chapters. What, one, and I was like, oh my goodness, that is a lot. But I love it because they're so practical, the techniques that you have in there. So I definitely want my listeners to go and purchase this book because it is going to give you the methodology and the step-by-step ways in which you too could be a superstar. When you wrote this book, what what happened in the world around you that you said, okay, I need to write this book. The world needs to read
1: this. Well, Well, it's interesting. I actually started... Uh, with a different book before this one, and it was called the Innovators' Field Guide, and, it, oh, okay. and it's uh, targeted toward uh, entrepreneurs, innovators, and organizational change agents, and it's mm-hmm. written in much the same format. The format of the book, uh, even though it has 52 chapters, you know, each chapter has the same format: a, a, a title that's meant to kind of pique your interest, mm-hmm. a quote that unpacks it a little bit a very short reading of about two pages followed by some questions for reflection and consideration and perhaps even some action steps. Wow. And so it, it's uh, it's a very digestible book, and mm-hmm. that's the reason I have it as 52 chapters, as one could take a chapter a week and then do the actions at the end, et cetera. Oh, wow. after I wrote the, after I wrote the Innovators Field Guide, and it was uh, very successful in a variety of settings from public schools to colleges and universities to nonprofits and businesses, I really went back to my life's work of studying top performance about which I had never really written a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so while the Innovators Field Guide was very targeted, I wanted to step back a little bit and, and take the same approach and provide some content that would distill out those uh, yeah, key uh, top performance qualities that I could put into digestible format for people to read and uh, adopt and take action
0: on. Wow, that's perfect. I'm really, I'm really glad you did that. With with some of my listeners who are listening now, let's say they're working in organizations and mm-hmm. they're really trying to grow and develop and become a top performer, but perhaps the leadership or ha- perhaps just the culture of the organization doesn't really want for change or doesn't really want for sometimes even the superstars. What, what advice would you give them to help them to break through that glass ceiling?
1: You know, I used to have people come to me and say, uh, and and I worked in a, a billion-dollar organization that had you know multiple levels of leadership. We called them all leaders, and mm-hmm. and uh, when you had the title leader in your name, you were actually a formally recognized officer of the organization with hiring and firing and compensation responsibilities. And so, people would come to me and say, you know. Jeff, I, I'd like to sit down and just visit with you a little bit, maybe some maybe some mentoring. And I said, Yeah, that'd be great. Come come sit down and let's talk. And they would come in. They'd say, You know, I really want to be a leader in the organization. And I would say, Well, then go be one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I want to be a leader like you in the organization. And then I said, Then then go be one. Go be a leader in the organization and do that consistently. And I'm using the 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 lowercase l uh-huh. uh, leader in an organization yeah. and do that consistently and over time. Uh, an opportunity will arise to provide you with the uppercase L role of leadership, and yeah. so, you know, really looking at where it where is it that you want to uh, affect change within the organization, and sit down with your with your your leader or your the person to whom you report, and have that conversation and gain some type of mutual consensus around how you're going to pursue that change, what it is, what's the end result you're going to uh, try to 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 produce, you know. One of the things about entrepreneurs is uh, 36 percent of all entrepreneurial endeavors fail because the, the entrepreneur creates a product or a service that no one wants.
0: Mm, that's a good point.
1: <laughs> that's a very and what I mean by that? Yes, yeah, they, they create a product or service <laughs> that, doesn't, uh, that, doesn't, that not enough people will buy at the price required for it to be a profitable mm-hmm. ongoing concern. Well, in organizations, we do that all the time. Someone gets a great idea. And they run headlong in trying to implement that idea only to find that it fails because they couldn't really articulate the problem that they were trying to solve or the, or the problem didn't affect enough people to be worth the effort Mm, to make the change.
0: Well, that goes back to, if you don't know if with the goals that you have, if you haven't really fleshed out what that goal looks like or where you're wanting to go, then yeah, it's not going to be successful.
1: Yeah. So, so what we've just talked about is, is, Taking an individual who, you know, we talked about the reverse engineering approach. The same thing happens in an organization: is figure out what's the business problem you're trying to solve or the 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 opportunity that you're trying to seize. Get agreement with your leader of of that that is one that's worth chasing. And then reverse engineer what has to happen to actually get there. Mm-hmm. It's funny we
0: were talking about this yesterday. I was consulting with with a client of mine, and he had just started this new job. And but he has this this desire to be an entrepreneur. So he started this new position. He's like, but I also want to do a, a side hustle of some sort. And I said, well, why don't you first get focused on what you're doing at this yeah. at this full time position? I said, then why don't you take the entrepreneurial aspect and do exactly what you just said? I said, as you become invested in this company, look at some of the pitfalls or ways in which you can um, augment someone else's dream, because a dream mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. someone else's business was always started as an entrepreneurial endeavor. And then yeah. you create a way in which you can then kind of piggyback off that or look at ways in which to improve and enhance it. And then from there, you then would create this job detail. And with that job detail, then you, it would allow for you to make more money for yourself and to be able to be, right. you know, rise higher in the in the organization. So I'm, I'm so glad I'm talking to an expert like you and hearing that perhaps well, my my counsel, my counsel was wise. So that is good. It was
1: wise. It was very wise
0: counsel. That's good. Appreciate that. So when, when it comes to some of the pitfalls of, let's just say leader leadership in general. So let's say I'm a leader of an organization. And here I am. I've... I've kind of just, I guess, hit that glass ceiling myself, and I've kind of lost some of my drive and lost some of my motivation. And then all of a sudden, I was once a top performer, and now I'm not. That trickle-down effect does affect the culture. What advice would you give for leaders who maybe have that moment of self-reflection and say, wait a minute, I have lost perhaps my mojo, if you will?
1: You know, I found I, that I, I would lose my mojo occasionally uh, mm. earlier in my career, and it was probably in my mid-40s, early 40s, that I really started to ask, what's my calling? What mm. What am I uniquely gifted to do? Some people call it their personal mission, their purpose in life. I like to refer to it as a calling. And I believe that some people, their vocation is their calling. My wife was a nurse practitioner. My daughters are nurses. My Mm -hmm. father-in-law was a pastor, uh, counselors, people in the helping professions. They get the privilege of getting up every day and going to work and earning their living while fulfilling their calling. Mm Then there are other people whose vocation hopefully supports their calling, and I put myself in that category. Uh, I was working for a large IT company selling data to to marketers better try trying to better target their consumers, and I was pretty convinced that that wasn't my calling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 what was? And and so at, when I would start to receive feedback from folks, and they would tell me what I was good at and where I had helped them with this or helped them with that, I came to this understanding that my own unique gifting, if you will, was to create new insights that lead people to better ways of living and working. Mm. And that's what I was doing with the 500 plus people I had in my organization on five continents. I was solving problems for them. I was making work easier for them. I was helping them balance their life with their work. I was helping them achieve their objectives. And it's why I wrote this book. And it's why I speak on leadership and what have you. And so when I figured out the intersection between my vocation and my calling, it was a complete and total game changer for me. Wow. So I would encourage those, those entrepreneurs, those leaders, those organizational uh, folks who feel like that they've lost their mojo to mm-hmm. step back and really begin to contemplate what, what is my calling and where does that intersect with my work? Is my calling my job or is, does my job support my calling?
0: Mm, that really, that's very profound. So a lot of this just has to do with just people sometimes just forgot their perspective or forgot the foundation for why they do what they do.
1: That's exactly right. And sometimes you just have to step back and, mm-hmm. and understand, you know, what, what, where that connection is. I I can't imagine how I worked for, you know, uh, I guess I was 42 at the time. So how I worked for, you know, more than almost 25 years, not really understanding this connection between what I'm really gifted and uniquely qualified to be and do and what I'm called to do and, and how it intersects with my vocation.
0: Wow. I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying before as well is. If a person's starting out and if they don't really have a clear cut with quantifiable metrics of where they want to be, let's say, in a year or three years or or 24 months, whatever it may be. I think sometimes when people are an established leader, they forget that they haven't arrived at the end of their their career. They have to now create a new iteration of that. I think research states that I think it's about five iterations or five transformations for each person in life. And so with that, they have those metamorphosis or those change of, of I think it is roughly five times. And so I think many people do forget that when they are at the top of their career or top of their, mm-hmm. of the, mm-hmm. maybe the executive branch, they often forget that there's still so much more they can do. And I think Absolutely. just forgetting that, cause I know sometimes I do, that can cause us to feel like, you know, once again, you're losing your mojo in some way.
1: Well, and I stepped away from my corporate career, uh, to, to, to do my own consulting coaching business. And when I did that. It enabled me to fulfill that calling that uh-huh. I had discovered ten years previous. It enabled me to do that even uh, almost. Um, uh, uh, it it almost transformed my ability to do that, or exponentially increased my ability to fulfill that calling. And and you know, being able to reinvent yourself in the physical world to earn a living so that you can fulfill your calling mm-hmm. in the grander scheme of things. That's really, I think, what it's all about. And that's why I think wow. those transformations occur in people.
0: Yeah, that is so, that's so inspiring. And I know, I really hope my listeners are picking up on obviously your energy, but also just the, the aspects of where you are today doesn't mean that's who you have to be tomorrow. Change is that's a thought exactly. of the way. Change is a way to just simply have a conversation with someone, a conversation with yourself, that's understanding where you want to go and then create reverse engineering the steps you need to take to be able to accomplish that goal. That's right. Dr. Jeff Sanders, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. Thank you so much for your wisdom. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you, to work with you, and to purchase your books, and the book we talked about today, it's a Top Performers Field Guide Catalyst for Leaders, Superstars, and All Who Aspire to Be. Where do they find this information online?
1: best place to find me is at JeffStandridge.com, J-E-F-F, Stand on a Ridge, (laughs) Standridge.com.
0: Perfect. Well, my listeners also know that if they're not able to find your book one more time, the Top Performers Field Guide, Catalyst for Leaders, Superstars, and All Who Aspire to Be, simply go to the previous guest products in both stores at either JamesMillerLifeology.com or Lifeology.tv. Dr. Jeff Standridge, thank you once again for your wisdom. I appreciate all your work.
1: It's been my pleasure, and thank you so much.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap